This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress for November 22, 2023. The NPC podcast is where we discuss and consider the pharma industry's purpose, process and people, and today, we'll continue the healthcare conversation. This program is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. The industry is rapidly evolving, and Impress is designed to help you evolve with it. Learn more about Impress tailored best-in-class solutions at www.impress.com. Our guest today is Dimitris Polygenis. He is president of Biopharma and Payer Solutions at McKesson Canada. Dimitris will speak with your hosts, Jim, Mark, and Mitch. Now it's time to start today's conversation. Here's Mitch Shannon, CEO of Chronicle Companies. Welcome back to the NPC podcast from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. I'm your co-host, Mitch Shannon, back again here live in our podcast gondola, high atop Pill Hill, with an unimpeded view of the famous intersection of Prozac Promenade and the J. Michael Pearson footbridge. We're coming to you from the hot stove lounge here as the winter chill begins to set in. This can only mean it's time for the Canadian Fall Classic, the Grey Cup competition, which is, uh, as we record this, about to take place uh, between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Jim's hometown heroes, the Alouettes of Montreal. As we record this, James Shea is preparing to be glued to his TV screen. Jim is the general manager at the Council for Continuing Pharmaceutical Education in Montreal, and he knows every verse of the beloved Alouette folk song, including the filthy ones that haven't been sung in the Peel Pub for at least a generation. Jim, please don't sing them for us now. I I promise I won't. uh, I'll tell you what, if the game was in Montreal, we'd probably be putting 50 plus thousand people into the big O, you know, heated stadium. And hopefully they'd all be hoping to sing, hey, hey, goodbye in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter. Not the drinking game version of Alouette, gentil Alouette, basically, you know, but, you know, Al's are big underdogs and Al's got there on a lark. (laughs) <laughs> play on words so yes yeah yeah not not the best game by the yargos qb by uh and of course uh for those people in the in the audience you know by lark i mean uh the english version of uh alouette so uh you know that was a long way to get to a teaching moment by the way so yeah it is it really is and if we ever do a bonus episode it's going to consist of jim mark and mitch singing alouette Jante Alouette, but we are not going to do that bonus episode. Representing Western Canada in this East versus West tussle is Mr. Mark McElwain, the pharma industry consultant, health policy expert, and sometime resident of Sudbury, Ontario, which is only about, what would you say, Mark, 900 or so miles uh, from Winnipeg. Uh, Mark, apparently there's still some tickets available for the uh, the big game over at Tim Horton Field in Hamilton. Uh, any, any interest in heading out that way, cheering for your bombers? Well... To be honest, not much. But, you know, while we're in Sudbury, I don't remember hearing too much about the CFL at all. They're more into winter sports, frankly, which makes sense when they can start in October. You know, curling is big. And of course, there's hockey, which is the start of every Sudbury Saturday night. 
Oh, exactly. So I guess when, when the subject turns to curling, you're listening to a completely different podcast, but we will dispense with the sports chatter. We are your NPC podcast hosts, known as Jim, Mark, and Mitch, because all the sportiest brand names have already been taken, such as Jim Proudfoot, Bad Boy Appliances, and McKesson Canada Biopharma and Payer Solutions. So let's welcome into the gondola, Demetrius Polygenis who is the president of Biopharma and Payer Solutions at McKesson Canada. Dimitri, come on in. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. So why don't we start, just tell us a bit about uh, McKesson Canada, your division, and uh, what the current vision is. Oh, look, I, this may be the hardest question of the day, because I think my company is probably not very well understood or complicated, but maybe for the record, let me try to explain it for everyone. McKesson is a Fortune 15 company, and our vision and mission is really centered around transforming and improving healthcare and working with our customers and partners. And my portfolio and my responsibilities specifically are to do that with the pharma and payer community. So our formal mission is really to chart a course for better healthcare, one product, one partner, one patient at a time. Dimitri, it's Mark. So let's drill down on that and talk about payer solutions in biopharma. So what are, the, what are the key trends? What are the key issues you're facing? Yeah, thank you. So payer biopharma, I mean, traditionally, we've seen them as very, as two different stakeholders, but in, I think, approaching, you know, our vision mission seriously, we understand them as emerging and, and more influential stakeholders. And I think healthcare is getting a lot more complicated, I think, as, as well. So when we look at trends, I think the trends are similar although the challenges might be different. I think we have more you know, precision medicine. We have significant innovation in healthcare technology. We've got data, data connectivity. I think we're seeing more community-based care. And I think depending on whether you're providing that care, manufacturing those technologies or paying for it, I think the challenges are very different. But I think the solutions around that can be very similar. And this year, there's been a lot of talk about data. Can you speak about the role of data in improving patient outcomes or making healthcare more efficient? For sure. Data connectivity, access to data is probably the biggest enabler, I think, for us for improving healthcare. We come from years of data silos. And so as we think about innovation and technology from the manufacturer side, if we look at outcomes and whether these technologies are working... If we're looking at what is the return on investment on paying for the technologies, I think the core for, to enable all of that is really to have better data and data connectivity. And so ultimately, I mean, we still, I think, suffer from lack of connections between data that sits in our healthcare system, in our payer community, and in our prescriber community. But I think there are more connections and bridges being made every day. Demetrius, Jim here. You've been touching on technology and perhaps we can dig a, a bit deeper there. You know, there's that increasing trend towards automation, digitization in healthcare. What are some of the innovations that are happening to enhance patient care and operational efficiencies? Oh, it's funny, Jim. Our Canadian leadership just came back from a week away at our head office in Dallas, where we spent a whole week talking about AI, how we can think more digitally, how we can create a digital mindset culture. And so we spent a lot of time, I think, looking at case studies and talking about what AI means for us and, 
And again, because we touch so many, many stakeholders, we, you know, kind of privilege of looking at it from different lenses. I mean, if you look at the pharma partners we work with, they're becoming more tech organizations. We saw it with COVID, we saw it with Moderna. More of the innovation is how they can use technology and platforms to bring products to market more quickly, to make them more targeted. We're seeing a lot more on gene therapy, and that's really uh, around the use of technology to better target therapies. And I think, you know, on the service delivery side, I think we're looking at algorithms and products and services that can help predict who's going to need the care where, how do we ensure that we get the right drug to them? How do we ensure we have the right drug in Canada? So I think it touches everything from prescription to distribution and how to make the time it takes uh, to do all of those a lot less. It's it's interesting. And and maybe we can go even deeper again there. And, and, you know, there's all this integration, you know, the siloing, bringing things back in and, and integrating everything. So how's automation and digitization impacting the pharmaceutical supply chain, uh, you know, from manufacturing all the way through to getting it to distribution and then into the patient's hands? It's a good question. And McKesson has aspirations to do a lot in healthcare, but our roots in history are really around distribution. So I think this is one kind of area that we probably still continue to know the best. And, you know, I've spent lots of hours in the last three years since COVID sitting down with governments to identify how do Canadians get their fair access to these technologies on a global scale? How do we make sure that the supply chain is more responsive during kind of demand and and disruptions? I mean, COVID brought huge disruptions in the way we, in terms of the challenge of how do we ensure we have the right product in the right places at the right time. So tools, I think, that can help better predict demand can help ensure product is onshore and that it is in the right geographic locations. Again, let's not forget, Canada is not an easy country to serve and get products to. So I think AI has a huge role to play from everywhere from ensuring we have the right demand, that we have the right product uh, destined for Canada, and that product, when it comes here, goes to the right places as fast as possible. You're listening to Dimitri Polygenis of McKesson Canada here on the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress. So just sticking with disruption and the, the digitization of healthcare for another minute, because it's obviously really important for the, uh, the next number of years. How do you see AI disrupting the biosciences, particularly with regard to uh, the patient journey? And I'm thinking of uh, all the dozens of complicated process-related things that need to occur along the way. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about the distribution side, and I alluded to a little bit earlier on how AI, I think, is speeding up drug development. I mean, we saw record-breaking progress around vaccine development. I mean, in a period of months, we did what we couldn't do in years, and mostly because of the use of technology and collaboration and so forth. But when you kind of think of, you know, the patient specifically, we still have huge challenges around access, affordability administration. And I think a lot of this digitalization and automation does a number of things. It it creates a more speedy exchange of data. So when you think of affordability and getting reimbursement, what may take four, five, six, seven, eight days can now take minutes. If you look at an exchange of reimbursement information, I think the ability to share data between providers and physicians and suppliers that support the patient journey, I think allows for smoother transition. And ultimately, I think what this sets us up for 
better virtual and real-time care. So I think you, you can see that patients can get care in places outside of big hospitals and clinics, can receive care at home, can receive care in the community, and we can support them and service them in a lot of kind of e and direct to consumer type ways that I think the healthcare industry suffered from. Where my perspective was, was really around automating and digitizing the framework and the network. I think that we can fully automate and bring cutting edge solutions to the background administrative processes that doesn't require, I think, the consumer or the patient to have to be literate, digitally literate, or even tech literate at all. Now, of course, I mean, that's catching up with all of us. So I think the quicker we all catch up with the times, regardless of what our age is and what our tech literacy is, I think the more quickly those processes can continue to evolve. But I would say that a lot of the focus around healthcare is really back administrative processes versus what the consumer needs to kind of deal with. But we see, you know, consumers more savvy with devices and apps and portals. And, and obviously that brings up the challenge of privacy, security, and so forth. But I think most of the innovation, certainly that I see, is really around the back administrative processes that allow for more efficient healthcare delivery. Demetrius, it's Mark again. So gene therapy, it's a rapidly evolving field. I wonder if you could comment on what the key challenges and opportunities are that you foresee in making these therapies more accessible to patients. Well, I mean, gene therapies will always will continue to have what we currently have today with many other specialized technologies is cost. I mean, it takes a lot more money to produce them. And there's going to be, in general, fewer patients that actually benefit from them because they're so customized. So I think that will continue to be a challenge. But, you know, I would say the logistics around how we bring those innovations to patients is going to be probably very revolutionary. I mean, we have very limited experience, but what we're seeing today with these cell and gene therapies is that they're manufactured offshore somewhere and delivered right to the point of care, sometimes within a day or two. And so the whole traditional understanding of importation of a product, landing it in Canada, sending it to a distributor or wholesaler who now needs to send it out to nine to 10,000 points of care. I mean, completely irrelevant. We're talking about a specifically designed drug for Mark that needs to be sent to Mark's prescriber or healthcare practitioner in 24 hours because it probably won't last that long. So I would be lying to tell you if we figured it out, but speed is going to be the essence. And I think that's where the data platform that allows us to ensure we can create that speed is going to be so important. So you're the moderator on a panel called Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Successful Initiative at the annual National Pharmaceutical Congress. So I wonder if you can provide a preview of what attendees can expect from this discussion? Well, I won't take away from the excitement and the content and giveaway, but I think I can probably safely say that though the attendees will really benefit from understanding what is the current practices I think that pharma is using, I think, to promote a more inclusive workplace. How is providing that inclusivity creating success uh, versus their competitors? What are the strategies? How do we measure it? How, as leaders in the sector, do we promote it and become allies uh, of it? And so I think we're going to 
across all of those questions from a variety of different perspectives. And I'm really excited to be able to moderate it and create that conversation. It's Jim here. Well, we're going to continue with that excitement now and build it, but we will be uh, winding down the podcast. Don't get too excited. And we're going to invite you to play our word association game. So just go ahead and say the first thing that comes to mind in response to each of the following words or phrases, and we will be judging you. So, you know, it'll be stressful yet exciting. Innovation. Creativity. DEI. Better decisions. Automation. Efficiency. Gene therapy. Revolution. Digitization. Connectivity. Accessibility. Inclusiveness. And a bonus question, because you were in Dallas for a number of days, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Not a fan. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Honesty. Well, uh, lots of points there, gentlemen. The tote board is ringing and it keeps going. I can't, it's not even stopping. So I don't know how high it's going to go. So the bonus point really added to it. I've never seen this before. Yeah. Well, and just let's just on the Dallas question, because I know I don't want to get any hate mail from the Cowboys uh, following, but I grew up during the 49ers kind of era. So I have a hard time letting go of that team. So that era is not since returned. So it's lonely, but uh, <laughs> that's why I don't cheer for the Cowboys. Whenever I'm in Dallas, it's like the Dallas Cowboys are everywhere. They talk about it being a religion. It truly is. It's a lifestyle. So anyway, it was pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's always hope. So, Demetrius, finally, it's time to put on your soothsayer's hat and enter our prognostication corner. So what bold predictions will you make about the life sciences industry during the coming 12 to 24 months? Wow. I mean, you know, I never feel comfortable answering any type of questions that predict the future, but I think I'm a betting man and I would say we're going to see more technology around drug innovation. And I think I mentioned it at the outset. I think drug manufacturers are going to become more technology companies, or at least the ones that win will be ones that embrace technology. I think we're going to see a real focus on more real world data and taking advantage of this increased connectivity that we're seeing. I think we're going to see healthcare stakeholders having to work more closely together. And, you know, speaking on on the supplier side, I think the companies that figure out AI and automation and can adopt that and reduce costs around everything required to get drugs into the hands of patients faster are going to win. And I know certainly it's something that McKesson is putting a lot of effort and focus around. Hmm. Demetrius, it's great having you with us in the gondola. According to the plan, this podcast is going to go out into the world uh, early the morning of November 22nd. So theoretically, uh, some night owls who might be catching us at midnight still have time to register for the live National Pharmaceutical Congress at the Mississauga Convention Center, which starts at 8 a.m. on that very same day. And, you know, it would be a better world if we offered some sort of last minute rush seating the way they do for Broadway musicals. But uh, we, we don't because we're not some like it hot. So, Dimitri, uh, you'll need to use some other form of influence to draw a crowd. Well, I'll just add that, like all of the previous conferences, it'll be thought-provoking, the networking will be great, and it'll help to build a lot of the collaboration I think we need to move forward. So I hope everybody can make it and look forward to seeing everyone. I love this guy. Thank you, Demetrius. Okay, to everyone out there in NPC podcast land, we thank you for listening, and we'll be back to speak to you again next week. If you've got questions or comments for Demetrius, please send an email to health at chronicle.org. Fire off your comments.
and if the stars align, you might just become part of a future episode. We hope you enjoyed today's NPC podcast. If you did, please like it, rate it, recommend it, and make a point of sharing it with your network. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or, to keep things simple, just ask your smart device to play the National Pharmaceutical Congress podcast on Audible, Spotify, Amazon Music or TuneIn Radio. The NPC podcast is presented in cooperation with Impress, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. Check them out at www.impress.com. This is your steady and reliable announcer, Leona Void. Speaking. This podcast was produced by Jeremy Visser, and he was assisted by John Evans. Research for this program came from Rayla Visser. The musical theme is performed with jocularity by the NPC Podcast Orchestra, under the direction of Maestro Hogan Milbrook. We'll be back to speak with you again next week.